Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. The question for this half hour is, how do you know if you have the Holy Spirit? Some churches teach if you speak in tongues, that's the evidence you have the Holy Spirit. Well, I, I believe in speaking in tongues, it's in the Bible, but you know there's never a verse that said Jesus spoke in tongues. Some churches teach, well, if you're water baptized, that's when you get the Holy Spirit. Well, I do believe we receive the Holy Spirit in baptism. Peter says in Acts chapter 2, repent and be baptized and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But Hitler was baptized. Stalin was baptized. Somewhere something leaked. So the question we're going to ask is, how do you know if you have the Holy Spirit? And, and in this half hour, we're going to look and see what Jesus did that showed he had the Holy Spirit. And once we see that, we'll know if we do. So would you take out your Bible, turn in the New Testament to Luke chapter 4. It's the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's about 30 years old. His ministry will last about three years. But right at the beginning, we're going to see the story today. So again, Luke chapter 4. Let's pray before we begin. Father, we do want to pray that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, if there's anyone watching who does not have the Holy Spirit, we pray that you will bring them to receive the Holy Spirit today. God, speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 16. And Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. All right, here's the first lesson I want you to get today. Worship weekly. It says, as was his custom, he went to synagogue. Jesus didn't go to church once a month or Christmas and Easter. He regularly went to synagogue. Let me ask you the question. Do you regularly go to church? Well, pastor, the Bible never says you have to go to church to be a Christian. It doesn't? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some. If, if you don't go to church much, you're violating Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. I mean, some people, I, I think somebody said, well, Pastor Brock, I watch your TV show, that's my church. No, it isn't. You can't get communion out of a TV set. You can't serve a TV set. One of the reasons we go to church is to serve the Lord. So go to church. I mean, I, some people only go to church for a funeral. And when I preach a funeral, I normally say, go to church. <laughs> Don't you think your eternal soul is worth one hour a week in church? I mean, there was a, a, a church that had a sign in front of it that said, yes, we are open between Christmas and Easter. And there was another church that had a different sign that said, C-H blank blank C-H. What's missing? And then the letters U-R. 
Go to church. Hebrew, uh, Luke chapter 4, now look at verse 17. And the book of the prophet Isaiah from the Old Testament was handed to Jesus, and he opened the book and found the place where it is written, and then he starts to preach his sermon that day from the Bible. Here's the next lesson. Preach from the scriptures. Jesus starts his sermon, and his whole sermon is preaching from the scriptures. So my first point was go to church. My second point is go to a church that preaches the scriptures. Don't go to a Unitarian church where they preach poetry. And if you're going to a Protestant or a Catholic church where all they do is the preacher talks about his opinions, but he doesn't preach the Bible, you want to find a church that preaches the Bible. I was, uh, quite a while ago, I was asked to come on the TV show Almanac in the Twin Cities here. They had me versus a very liberal Protestant pastor on the homosexuality issue. And I made the point during the program, it doesn't help that we have pastors in the church who are taking the wrong side on this issue. Pastors are supposed to defend the Bible, not contradict it. Well, afterwards, he got offended. Uh, Pastor Brock, I believe in the Bible just as much as you do. And I tried to politely say, not on this point, you don't. So, so go to a church, but make sure you're going to a church that follows the scriptures. I had a, when I was in my, uh, my church, I preached a sermon one Sunday morning on the three pillars of liberal theology. Pillar number one, God is nice. Pillar number two, we too should be nice. Pillar number three, isn't that nice? <laughs> and this, the next week, this old couple came up to me and she said, you know, Pastor Brock, we've been going to the Methodist church for 50 years and all we heard were nice sermons. When we came to this church, you preach right out of the Bible. This is what's changing our lives. So make sure you go to church, but make sure it's a biblical church. When I was a little boy, the, the family behind us were the Gerbers. He was a Presbyterian pastor. His church was not known for being very evangelical by any means. On the other hill, on the other side of us, was the Cutter family. They went to his church. Until one day, they walked into the Omaha Gospel Tabernacle and got saved. And they were upset. And they went to Pastor Gerber and said, why don't you ever preach salvation? And they left that church. You know, go to a church that preaches the Bible. That's what it will save people. I mean, here's a man, an atheist. Somebody gives him a Bible and challenges him to read it. Oh, sure, I'm not scared of that book. He reads about one-third of the way. And he says, wife, if this book is right, you and I are wrong. He keeps reading about another third of, wife, if this book is right, you and I are lost. He reads all the way to the end of the Bible and says, wife, if this book is right, you and I can be saved. <laughs> and according to the story is he was. So go to church regularly. But make sure you go to a church that really preaches the Bible. Verse 18. And now he's quoting uh, the God, uh, Isaiah from the Old Testament. He opened it up where it was written, quote from Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And now we're getting to the original question. How do you know if the Spirit of the Lord is upon you? Uh, six evidences that you have the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, number one, 
because he anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. The first evidence you, that we have, that you have the Holy Spirit, you proclaim good news. Do you ever do that? Do you ever talk to people about Jesus? One evidence that you have the Holy Spirit is you talk to people about Jesus. I was, uh, here was a pastor that was doing the children's sermon. <clears throat> he had a glass of water, and he intentionally knocked it off, and the water went all over the place, and he said, Kids, when you get bumped, what you're filled with spills out. And I thought of the time years ago, I was driving this elderly pastor and his wife to a conference, and it was a snowstorm, and my car slid down into the ditch, way down into the ditch, and we're bumping around like this, and the pastor yells out, Lord God, save us! <laughs> and we were fine, but I thought, something else could have come out of his mouth. When you are bumped, what you're filled with spills out. If you truly have the Holy Spirit, you talk to people about Jesus. Jesus himself said this is an evidence. Acts chapter 1, Jesus is about to go back to heaven. He says, Disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power and become witnesses of me. So when you're filled with the Spirit, you talk to people about Jesus. Do you do that? Next evidence you have that you have the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is upon me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. The second evidence you have the Holy Spirit, you care about liberty for the captives. On TV again this week were more beheadings of Christians by militant Islamists. And when you see that, do you care? Do you stop and pray? Or what I want to encourage you to do, we're going to put the, the address on the screen. I get this every month. It's a free magazine uh, from International Christians Concern. They will tell you horror stories every month of what's happening overseas so you can pray for these persecuted Christians, so you can open up your pocketbook and send the money to help the widows of the people that have been killed. Go to persecution.org, ask them to send you this. It's free. And do you care? about the oppressed, that's a sign that you have the Holy Spirit. Another evidence you have the Holy Spirit, verse 18, he has sent me to give recovery of sight to, oh, excuse me, he has sent me to, yes, give recovery of sight to the blind. Next evidence of the Spirit is you care about physical and spiritual blindness. Jesus physically healed the physically blind. You know, I've kind of been concerned about that in my life, kind of fearing, I hope I don't go blind someday. So some of my money has gone to CBMI, Christian Blind Ministry International. You send them money and people are given operations overseas. Do you care about the physically blind? Do you care about the spiritually blind? When you see your sister, getting into crystals and seances and new age books and uh, yoga. Do you pray for her? When you see our culture that is embracing abortion on demand, homosexual marriage, premarital sex, pornography, are you concerned about spiritual blindness? That shows that you have the Holy Spirit. Let's look at another evidence, verse 18. And to set free those who are oppressed Next sign of the Holy Spirit in your life, you free the oppressed. I think of two men I know, Christian men, who have a deliverance ministry. They pray over people who are demonically oppressed. Uh, that, that 
pastor's wife in that bumpy car of mine, Christian lady, was ill a lot of the time, but people would call her on the phone and she would just minister to them on the phone. A sign that you have the Spirit is you set people free. Verse 19, <clears throat> and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Another, another evidence you have the Spirit, you proclaim favor to people. I mean, I can remember when I was a new preacher down in my first church in Florida. I walked into a Christian bookstore, and the lady behind the counter, oh, who are you, and, oh, I, and where are you from? And, and, and she just, all of a sudden, she said, you mean, Tom, that the Lord took you all the way from Omaha, taught you the Bible up at seminary in Minneapolis, brought you all the way down here to Florida to preach? Oh, the Lord must love you so much to put his hand. I mean, she just blessed me. I can still remember that conversation. People who are filled with the Spirit bless people in what they say. But let's look at one more sign that you have the Holy Spirit. Skip down to verse 29. And they, this crowd that were hearing Jesus preach, got up and drove him out of the city. They led Jesus to the brow of the hill on which their city had been built in order to throw him off the cliff. <laughs> Here's the next sign that you have the Holy Spirit. You suffer for the gospel. And sadly, the, a lot of these health and wealth prosperity preachers on TV preach just the opposite, that if you're suffering, you must not have enough faith. No, no, no. If you're filled with the Spirit, they want to throw you off the cliff. <laughs> Let's look back at verse 22. No, verse 20. And Jesus gets done with the sermon. He closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on Jesus. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture, this Old Testament passage from Isaiah, has been fulfilled in your hearing. Here's probably the main lesson of this story. Jesus is the Christ. The Old Testament, Isaiah, other places prophesied that the Christ is going to come. The word Christ means the anointed one the one who will come and save the Jews. It's not Jesus' last name. When you say Jesus Christ, you're saying Jesus is the Christ. Jesus in this verse says, I'm the fulfillment of all those prophecies. Verse 22. And all were speaking well of him to begin with and were wondering at the gracious words that were falling from his lips. And now their opinion starts to change. And they were saying, is this not Joseph's son? And now they're starting to think, who does he think he is? And now look at verse uh, 24, and he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. <laughs> Here's the next lesson. No prophet is welcome in his hometown. Some of you live with this every day. I kind of do. You know, when I thought of people in Minneapolis actually listen to me. Sometimes people in Minneapolis think I have something to say. <laughs> When I go home to Omaha to certain relatives of mine, it's like, la, 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 we don't want to hear it, Tommy. And <clears throat> some of you live with that every day. I mean, I can remember once I preached in my home church in Omaha, and people liked it. But one of my relatives went up to the pastor and complained about my sermon, and he said, God bless him, a prophet is not without honor except in his own family. <laughs> so, you know, if you've got that problem, you know what I do? Lord, I know they're not going to listen to me. Would you send them someone else? I got an email this week from a, a Christian lady whose brother has just come out of the closet and pronounced his homosexuality. And the point I tried to make with her was he might not receive things from you, 
So pray that the Lord will send him somebody to talk to him. All right. One last point today. His hometown is about to throw him off the cliff and kill him. And look at verse 30. But passing through their midst, he went on his way. Here's the last point. You won't die until God wants you to die. They're trying to kill Jesus, but he's just starting his ministry. He's got three years left, so Jesus just passes right through the middle of them. I think that's true for you too. Christian, you will not die until God wants you to die. And a prayer that I pray now and then is not, Lord, be glorified in my life, but also, and Lord, somehow be glorified in my death. In the way I die, have you ever prayed that? God, in the way I die, may you somehow get glory out of that. You're going to die anyway. Might as well die for the Lord. Well, so let's review. How do you know if you have the Holy Spirit? Well, do you ever talk to people about Jesus? Uh, do you care about liberty for the captives? Are you concerned about the spiritually and morally blind in our culture? Does God ever use you to set people free? Are you willing to suffer for Christ? Do you proclaim favor and grace to people? Not, not that we all do all that perfectly, but are any of those things and evidences in, in your life? If not, what I want to encourage you to do is pray today, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Jesus said, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So if you've never been baptized, I'd get baptized. But if you've never said, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit, I encourage you to do that. One last thing here. 12-year-old Jimmy says, Dad, why do we believe in the Holy Spirit when you can't see him? And his father was an electrician. He took his son down to the power plant. And he said, Jimmy, this is where all the electricity in our town comes from. When you turn on a light, when you turn on the TV, the, the power comes from this plant. Now, we can't see the electricity, but we know it's there because of all the stuff it does. <laughs> and, and, and my point to you, Christian, is this. The way people in your family, your life, are going to know that the Holy Spirit exists is when they see what he does in your life. I close with this. It was in college that the Holy Spirit really started to deal with me. And I can remember going home for vacation. Mom was sitting at the living room table doing solitaire. And I stood in the doorway. This is very hard. I said, <clears throat> Mom, I just want to apologize for being such a disrespectful son through the years, and I'm sorry for the way I've treated you. Will you forgive me? <laughs> I, I still remember Mom was going like, she looks up. <laughs> I'm like, who is this kid? <laughs> and my point is, the way people are going to know that the Holy Spirit exists in, is when they see what he does in your life. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us not only his knowledge of scripture but his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, can we go a little further about that? You said to make sure you're in a biblical church. How does one learn that that church is a biblical right. church? You've got to be careful because you can walk into a United Church of Christ, a Presbyterian Church USA, 
and the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can walk into the Episcopal Church, and some of those denominations still have biblical churches, but some of them have pastors that believe we should be worshiping God the Mother, we, that Jesus is not the only way of salvation, that gay sex is fine, abortion is fine. So how do you know? Very easy, Jackie. When you visit a church, you say to the pastor, can I, we're church shopping, can I just privately ask you a couple questions after you're done shaking hands? And, and you do it politely. Pastor, does this church preach that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Do, does this church teach what the Bible says, that there's a heaven and a hell? What are your views about abortion, homosexuality? Uh, do you believe in the Bible when it says that Jesus was born of a virgin? If you get good, clear answers, well, of course we believe all those things. That's a good church. If you get, that's a very complex issue. There are many interpretations. On, then you want a different church. Okay. <laughs> all right. You said that one evidence that the Holy Spirit is in our lives is that we witness to others uh -huh. about Christ. Tom, that's a really hard thing to do. I guess, what, how do you bring it up, and what exactly should we say when we do something? I think, you know, I pray before the day starts, Lord, use me to share you with someone today. And I will, so first of all, in the morning, you pray before you leave the house. And I will tell you many days, it never happens, but there are days it does. And, and for me, when I'm, when I'm sitting to somebody next to somebody on a plane, rather than for me to say, are you saved? I say, can I tell you what happened to me? I used to think we're saved by being good enough. Then I discovered that Christ died on the cross and he's the only way to be saved. You know, you just talk about what happened to you. That's, that's one way to do it. Yeah. Okay, you talked about persecution uh, and persecution of Christians. Yeah. But didn't Jesus say this was coming and yeah. that we would all be persecuted? Or? He didn't say we'd all be persecuted, but he said, uh, well, actually, I, let me take that back. The Apostle Paul said, indeed, everyone who attempts to leave, lead a godly life will be persecuted. Okay. So you're right. And so here's the deal. Uh, how do we help people who are being persecuted when Jesus said it's coming? Well, you can still help them. And, you know, Jackie, Jesus did say, if they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. So nothing's wrong when you see people fleeing uh, some of these Arab countries where they're killing Christians. Nothing's wrong with that. But on the other hand, if you're forced to either get killed or stand for Christ, I hope we would stand for Christ. Yeah. So, Pastor Brock, how would you define the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is, let's just review this, there's one God in three persons. God the Father who made us, God the Son who died on the cross, God the Holy Spirit. We don't believe in three gods. We believe in one God in three eternal persons. So the Father's always been here. The Son has always been here. The Holy Spirit has always been here. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead, and he comes to live in your heart when you are baptized and believe in Christ. Yeah. Okay, so I guess the big question is that people have is how does one receive the Holy Spirit? Um, again, I'm going to point to two things. If you've never been water baptized, that's a big deal in the New Testament. And again, Peter says in Acts chapter 2, repent and be baptized and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul says, into one spirit we were all baptized. So baptism is a big deal. And I'm going to also quote Jesus where he said, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? 
So I think the way it works, Jackie, when you believe in Christ, you're baptized, you have the Holy Spirit, but the Bible says you can quench the Holy Spirit. I don't think the Holy Spirit has ever left me. He's always there, but I can quench him or I can be filled with him. So I think we rec- he never leaves the believer, but you can quench him. So I pray God forgive me and help me be filled with the Spirit today. Okay. Um, one more thing. What do you believe about speaking in tongues, Pastor Brown? You know, I, it's one of the 18 gifts of the Holy Spirit. I think it's a real gift. Paul says, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So if you've never prayed for tongues, healing, interpretation, wisdom, uh, there's all these 18 gifts. You can look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 14 and pray for God to give you those gifts. But then he also says the Holy Spirit apportions to each one as he desires. So you get the gifts God has apportioned to you, but you seek them all. Pastor Brock, you know, I have one more question for you to talk about today, and that's, you know, things are happening in our world today where massive numbers of people are gone. Mm-hmm. Is this the sign of the end times um, when we have these horrible hurricanes and earthquakes? You know, Jesus said there will be uh, earthquakes and all this stuff. But you know what's interesting? Some people say that means the end is near. But look carefully at his words. Do not be frightened. The end is not yet, for these things must take place. There's been earthquakes and whole plagues for for hundreds of years. I mean, people in the Middle Ages were hit by plagues regularly. They thought the end was near, but they were wrong. So there's going to be this kind of stuff before the end. I think that, um, uh, yeah, but nevertheless, all those things are done, I think, to get us to Christ. But Pastor Brock, there's so many people that have never heard of Christ that are being annihilated through these things. Is that God at work, or? Well, you know, I, 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 saw an old, I saw a Catholic priest interviewed about the tsunami quite a while ago, and he said something you never hear that was right on target. He said, suffering brings us to God. Look at the United States, Jackie. We're one of the wealthiest nations on earth, and we are the producers of hardcore pornography for the world. Why? Because we're wealthy and suffering I don't want suffering in America, but we need it to bring us to God. Yeah, our nation has kind of gotten so divided and so wishy-washy, there isn't those, aren't those principles you know, anymore. We're, we're losing our soul as a nation. Okay, Pastor Brock, we're right at the end of the program. Yep. Do you want to just give a real quick update? Sure. And we want to thank you for your questions, and we invite you to send them in anytime you want and check out our website. It's on the screen right now and you can see other programs. And you know, it's, it's your help that's keeping us on the air because we have to pay for this. So whether you're watching us nationally, uh, we're all over the country now on DirecTV and Dish Network, or watching us locally in Minneapolis, Rochester, uh, Wichita, and Omaha, pray for us. If the Lord nudges you to support us, again, you go to pastorstudy.org, or our address is at the end, and you can support us that way. But God bless you, and pray for us if you would. Thanks. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.